Good evening, everybody. Um, welcome tonight to Thursday in the City. I'm so glad that y'all are here. Uh, and again, that's what we call it, Thursday in the City. Uh, and the more important name for this is the acronym of Thursday in the City, THINK. Um, it's what we'll be doing each week here for four, uh, for these four weeks, uh, uh, four remaining weeks of April. And we, we normally, whenever we have Thursday in the city, uh, we just, we consider questions that are on people's minds, that questions that really loom large in our society. And questions are the key to Thursday in the city. Each week, we will dig into some uh, questions that uh, people, we all, need to spend time with. And maybe we'll deal with questions that you've been asking for years. Or maybe um, we'll address some questions that you've been afraid to ask, but somebody else asks them. We all have those kind of questions. And our goal isn't really to produce answers. We're not after a particular answer. Our goal is to place ourselves into the kind of posture uh, in which we will listen more than we ever have uh, to each other, uh, listen for God, uh, who's not far from each one of us, and listen to the experiences that are unfolding all around us. Now, as for this topic of emotional health and mental health, um, when is the last time, I want you to consider this, when is the last time your heart felt less than heavy? How long have you been trying to cheer up a family member? Where did your child's beautiful personality go? Who around you would understand if you revealed the extent of the fear that you keep hidden? Why don't all of those religious teachings you've learned stop the thoughts of self-harm that you feel? Most of us are either asking these questions or we are very close to someone who is. And we will spend the, the rest of these Thursday evenings in April thinking through these issues and exploring how we can suffer with, live with, and discover courage with one another as we face mental and emotional challenges in ourselves and our loved ones. Each Thursday, you're going to have the opportunity to hear and interact with compassionate practitioners who will point us towards understanding and towards support in this ever-present struggle for wholeness. So welcome to Thursday in the City, everybody. Um, now, our panel of guests tonight are two of those compassionate practitioners that I was talking about. With us tonight uh, is Beth Stanley, and uh, Beth is a licensed professional counselor in practice at the Ecumenical Center here in San Antonio. She brings a wealth of experience to clients as she, as she serves them through existential therapy, 
facilitating those clients' discovery of meaning in their lives, what it means to work, what it means to create, to love another person, to bring something to this world that nobody can bring. This is very deep work. And I mentioned that Beth is at the Ecumenical Center. And um, this, this Thursday in the City that we have here at FBCSA in April is really brought to you by the Ecumenical Center. It's sponsored by the Ecumenical Center. Um, and so here's a commercial right now. We have, we have pamphlets and uh, material, informational material, right out here in the, the lobby area. And um, this material will help you know what's uh, available as far as counseling goes uh, at the Ecumenical Center, um, counseling and classes and different kinds of, of um, venues and forums that will address certain areas of emotional and mental health needs. So uh, avail yourself of those materials out there and they will um, they'll help point you to this organization, the Ecumenical Center, that is here in San Antonio to meet you where you are and to help you to process some very, very heavy things that you have thought you cannot carry all by yourself, and you've been right. You can't. So uh, pay attention to those materials out there. So that's Beth Stanley. Also with us tonight is Ray Wooten, right here. Ray is professor in counseling and guidance, uh, the counseling and guidance program at Texas A&M San Antonio. He's a licensed professional counselor and a registered somatic movement therapist. Uh, we are talking mind and body. In fact, tonight, that's exactly what we're talking about, COVID exhaustion, which affects mind and body. Uh, Dr. Wooten serves his clients through the pathway of emotionally focused therapy, internal family systems therapy, body-mind psychotherapy, to help clients toward wholeness as emotional, physical, and spiritual beings. Both of these folks are very formative in my own life, in my own development as a counselor, uh, and so I'm very glad that they're here. So welcome, Beth. Welcome, Dr. Wooten. We're glad, very glad you're here. Also with us each and every week, each and every week, <laughs> is Megan Langen right here. Um, she is Associate Minister for Single Adults and a person who brings her own perspective as a trained minister and a licensed master of social work. Now, before we get rolling with our panel conversation, please note that you are part of this too. Um, your, your questions and your thoughts are vital to our time here tonight. They're not just add-ons. They're not just something else to do. They're actually vital. When a question comes to mind, when a question comes to mind, stop paying attention to whatever's going on up here and go immediately to... Can we have the slide? Uh, yes. Go to 
sli.do. That's a weird, I know, it's a weird address, Slido, sli.do on your mobile device. Go there, enter the code THINK, and if all caps don't work, try all lowercase. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's case sensitive. Anyway, enter that code, THINK, T-H-I-N-C, and um, type your question. So, again, the instructions are stop paying attention and go there and type your question in, okay? Because we got to have these questions. These, this helps to give shape and forward momentum to uh, our time here, okay? And we'll get to as many of those questions as possible. And sometimes it's more possible than others because, you know, depending on the size of the crowd, which this is a small group, and that's great. So looks like we'll be getting to all the questions um, after the panel discussion this evening, okay? So, again, welcome to Thursday in the City, and let's uh, start our... Let's go ahead and start our panel discussion. Yeah, thank you all for being with us. Yeah, it's good to have you. Both of these guests have been with us for midweek in the city um, in the past when we've been online only, so it's nice to be together yeah. <laughs> in the room live. So thank you all for being yeah, with us. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this is cracking me up. This is a completely useless table because we can't <laughs> reach it. Uh, it's a coffee table only if you're a member of the Fantastic Four and you can uh, stretch So, um, okay, again, glad y'all are here with us, and who knows where this conversation is actually going to end up. We're, we have uh, some questions that are forming the basis of a framework here, but, you know, I don't know. But here we are in a pandemic, and, we're, you know, we're talking about COVID exhaustion and well-being and so forth, and you are both practitioners, and through your practice, um, what are some of the impacts of the pandemic that you have noticed uh, in, in either nuanced or very pronounced, whatever? Uh, what are some pandemic impacts that you have noticed? Beth, let's, let's go with you uh, first. Can we do that? Okay. Um, I, I was thinking as you were asking that question about when... Uh, years ago, I worked as a chaplain and a counselor with a hospice. And one of the things that I loved about that job um, is that when you walk into a space where someone is at the end of their life, there is something sacred about the experience because um, all niceties are gone, everything is stripped away, and the conversations that you have are entirely different because there is this level of awareness of uh -huh. fear of dying, um, a fear of loss, this grief. And I was thinking about that because that is what the experience for me has been like as a therapist during COVID because when people come in, there is a stripped nature of people and the niceties are gone. Um, there isn't a, oh, you know, the presenting problem is not shallow. Yeah, it is yeah. very deep. Um, and it can feel very dark. 
Um, and so there's, I truly enjoy those kinds of conversations because they are raw, they're honest, they're real, um, they're vulnerable instantly. Um, and there's something about, so I, I bring that, the, the hospice experience up because that's a little bit what it's reminded me of. Well, and that's, that is very interesting because what you're saying is that you have felt what you felt in hospice work without the hospice. Wow, that's, that's pretty heavy. There is that. I think that if, if people are not scared of dying, they're scared of someone else dying, yeah. or they themselves, as you so eloquently put it, people are thinking of harming themselves. Yeah, yeah. And that is a terrifying, for anyone, that is a terrifying place to be. It's a dark place to be, yeah. and it's where a lot of people have found themselves in my office. Okay, so, so. just a, a stripped-down mm -hmm. presentation of mm -hmm. here I am and I don't have anywhere else to go. Dr. Wooten, what about you? Impact. Um, definitely increased incidence of stress. Okay. And that often forms depression and anxiety and overwhelm. Um, seeing it both emotionally, mentally, physically. And that's not all that unusual that people come in with this, but sure. there does seem to be an increase. But what I've seen probably more than anything, or when we kind of peel back what is anxious and what is depressed and what is overwhelmed, there's definitely an ability slash inability of people being able to handle ambiguity. An inability yeah. to an handle inability. ambiguity. Okay. They're bumping into ambiguity of uncertainty, it's, um, which then questions, the questions often are being asked when we continue to peel it back is, you know, who am I and who are you? And I thought this was going in a particular way, my life, everything was planned. Now all of a sudden weddings and mm -hmm. parties yeah. and events are... So yeah, people are, um, my experience get really wobbly because again, I thought I had it planned. Here was the procedure. I've habituated myself to this worldview, and now it's not that way. Yeah. yeah. Now, how do I regulate? How do I co-regulate? How do mm -hmm. I stay in my body? Um, how do I not yeah. hurt myself? How do I deal? But yeah. now, here's something that just hit me. That's that also. Uh, reflects that also has an impact on you as a therapist. I mean, if you're, it's sort of like a, it can be like a, a feedback loop. This this pandemic, I mean, you're not an automaton. I mean, you're a person, <laughs> as far as I know, uh, that that uh, that you're in this too. And so, is has it been has it been harder in the pandemic to be a therapist? Beth, have you noticed any? Is there anything there? There may be nothing there. We can move on. But um, Well, uh, in some ways, I think it's, um, it's amped up the severity of clients. Um, okay. There, for me, 
I have had since October, since mm -hmm. I was just with you all mm -hmm. in October, and I was thinking about how since then I have had seven clients or my clients' family members. I've had two suicides, mm -hmm. two hospitalizations, and three people hovering near near both of those. And that's a lot in one in one you know, place. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. that's not even to say that there aren't others that I work with that are dipping through those areas. So I is that is more difficult. Yes, the stakes are high. And and you then what is how has that drawn you in to a difficult place? I mean, you you are a person in a pandemic sitting with another person in a pandemic. That's hard on on you or has taken its toll as well perhaps okay <laughs> i mean okay. i i um uh, that's a good question okay well Ryan? I, yeah, I don't know i, I mean, am i'm sitting here going you know i have felt a, a digging in deeper okay in myself okay um i am someone who kind of swims in those waters so yeah. for me to sit with someone, it's not surprising for mm -hmm. me to hear mm -hmm. that kind of darkness. Okay. And I'm, I'm usually devastated for them and yeah. with them. Sure. And um, feeling a little desperate with them and yet holding on tight to find hope, the purposes for living, find places where there is life that can be found mm -hmm. and to try to, you know, kind of, as I love the idea of peeling back, you know, mm -hmm. kind of peeling yeah. back to see what is worth living for in this moment. Yeah. And just, uh, so I find that it, it, it has been far more, it's been far busier for me and, okay. yeah. um, far deeper. And I, my head is down. Like I, I have one thing I feel sometimes when I'm in the office is that I'm, I get lost. You know, mm, I'm, I get okay. lost in the office. Like I get lost in the story. I get lost, right, you know, and right. then it's over and I'm like, okay, wow, that was, I was somewhere else for just those 50 minutes. Yes. I was in another place. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the door opens and shuts again and right back into another deep place right. with someone. And so, um, it, it takes the stakes higher. Yeah. It makes me dig deeper. Um, makes me hold on tighter to those I love, those I need to yes. give me life and yeah. comfort. Um, so I, I don't know if that helps it answer does. the question. It does. And, and you're right. I, I think over the course of the time that I've known you, you do, you're no stranger to swimming in those murky places, as you said, or, or <laughs> those murky waters or dark places or whatever. I don't know. Um, you're a person of the shadows. Uh, but, but you... You are kind of built for that, I think. You, you uh, gravitate towards uh, that um, melancholy in some people, and um, or, or you don't shy away from it. And maybe uh, the pandemic has been, you know, just exactly a, a good place for you as a therapist to fit into people's lives. Um, I have under I have consistently underestimated. The pandemic's effect on me, and uh, so I've just been thinking a little bit more about my own 
place in the COVID exhaustion, uh, on the COVID exhaustion spectrum as well. It is, how has this pandemic, what has this pandemic done to your self-energy uh, bringing, Dr. Wooten? Well, what comes to my mind is kind of the wave of COVID. You know, it's been a year. Yeah. And I can remember easily a year ago where there was a lot of confusion and doubt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and there was a part of me that wanted to not go there. Yeah. It was like, yeah. oh, okay. I mean, I, I was as confused as doubt and doubtful as yeah. er everyone and finding comfort in toilet paper and, you know, everybody. <laughs> We've all forgotten about to, that stage. <laughs> right. Remember, I mean, this, I, is, again, this is, this is a night of reminiscing. <laughs> right. Right. But, but in that, in, a, in the witnessing of that, I was going, people are looking for comfort. They're looking for safety. They're looking yeah. for something to ground and to center and contain. And at some level, there was the idea that, oh, we're going to quarantine, but it, it, it'll be over in a couple of months. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 it'll be done. You know, yeah. right. who could imagine it's going to be a year? And, and we're still in it yes. and working through it. Um, the, the effect with me, and I, I could sense myself vacillating over the year of um, not, maybe not wanting to go there with you sometime. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then catching myself and, and, and sensing parts of me that were going, uh, let, let, let's just hang back. And, you know, so what I would do, of course, was just ask those parts to relax and allow the kind of the true nature of myself to kind of come forward or as best as it can. Sure. Come forward and meet people. And um, so, yeah, it has had an effect. One of the effects for me is I found myself grinding my teeth. Mm. I've never ground my teeth. And so, uh, like, right when the dentist office opened, what, in January? That kind of when that yeah. happened yeah. or yeah. something? Yeah. Um, time date, COVID. Um, <laughs> I, I, I went, and he, he went, man, what have you been doing? And I have not even, I didn't, even, I didn't realize it. It's oh, uncovered a lot of things in us that we would have never. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And I pride myself on being, you know, rather aware. But I guess when I was sleeping, I was going, burp, you know, and yeah. and kind of chewing myself up. Okay, so so I think it's important to note that um, everybody. I mean, this this is an equal opportunity mm -hmm. pandemic. You know, I mean, as as all things like that are, but we kind of forget that, I think, sometimes. Yeah. But that's important to, to know, too, and really you're getting into this next question of, you know, this pandemic has, like you said, oh, you know, at first it was going to be a quick, quick two-week quarantine, and, you know, and we kind of kept saying, well, surely this won't be canceled, and surely by the summer, and, you know, that, that, that threshold kept getting moved back, and it's turned into this colossal thing that I don't think you know, and that we're still in, and though it feels like there's light at the end of the tunnel, and it feels like we're moving forward, um, I think it'll take a long time for us to be able to reflect and really understand and kind of unpack all that we've been through. Um, and I know that y'all can't see into the future, but as you've thought through this pandemic, what are some things that you think we have yet to unpack that we've been through over the last year during COVID? Well, what comes to my mind immediately is, is that this will definitely leave a mark on one's genogram or family tree. Oh, yeah, yeah. When we start it, thinking about multi-generational transmission, this will be a, a big point. Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly what it will mean, but it will be demarcated as other traumas 
Yeah, and and what just for the for people who may not be familiar with that term, a, a genogram is really the tracing out mm -hmm. of significant life events uh, in your family, uh, and mm -hmm. um, and so uh, this yeah, is yeah you know like the Great Depression right, right, and right. World War II and and on and on. This will be one of those. I had not even thought of that, but yeah. And so I've been keeping my eye open on what you know. What does it mean in terms of mortality? Because it's been so stressful. Yeah. And I know a lot of the the research that I'm seeing that's being proposed is going to be looking at longitudinally what the effect has been. Well, just anecdotally, anecdotally, I know of several people who more than normal, more than I normally hear of, who have died unexpectedly at a relatively young age. I can think of three people right now uh, that, that and, and normally I would have to really, you know, and so I don't, that's just anecdotal, no evidence that stress is involved and, you know, all that, but it just seems, it stands to reason that something like that would, would at least be some kind of a factor. I don't know. Hmm. Beth, do you have any? any? Um, I, I was thinking about the, um, the words anxiety and depression that I hear all the time now mm -hmm. that, are, that used to be, um, I mean, I started working almost 30 years ago, and those were really severe words that you heard, you know, like those were mental health issues they yeah. were diagnosable you yeah, know they yeah. had the long list that you would go through and really carefully wonder do you have these things and now there i i appreciate that there is a an awareness um with a lot a lot of people yeah. are aware are very aware of what um those words mean now and i think that there's a mm. there is a sensitivity now to how people are doing emotionally, which is what we're talking about today, mm -hmm. is your well-being. And so it's not so weird to ask, how are you holding up? What's going on? And I, oh, yeah, that's I love that people do that. Like that, it's not so weird to say, how are you holding up? Like mm -hmm. you know what you know what I mean when I say that, you know. Mm -hmm. And I like the freedom to ask about people's hearts, and I hope that continues. Yeah. into the future that we're, a, we're super our antenna are up to just make sure we're all doing okay yes. with each other yeah. you know Beth, that's a that positive is, impact that i had it, it is it is a pot that is a positive <laughs> I've only thought impact about for the sure yeah I, I didn't think in terms of positive <laughs> but but to say it's become more than just hey how's it going mm -hmm. uh it is not uncommon mm -hmm. for people to say i i really take that question seriously now mm -hmm. and I'm answering you mm -hmm. with substance mm -hmm. rather than just with convention, you know? Well, and even you, like getting to talk, like, like here I did not, you know, I didn't know to hear you say, I am aware of COVID exhaustion. It's like, oh God, like I'm, yeah, I'm immediately yeah, yeah. like, okay, as my brother, as my yes. friend, as my colleague, right. I want to know that, and I'm grateful to know, and here we're talking about it, you know? And so I think of when we're in staff meetings, and, and I can tell that people are kind of pulled back, and, mm -hmm. yeah. and you know, and there, there is that level of, when are we going to get back to the way things are? And yes. I mean, I say that to you sometimes, you know, yeah, when are right. we going to just have, like, some normalcy? Right, exactly. And so I appreciate I'm grateful. I think it connects us differently. I think so. 
I, I think that's exactly right. Now, you spoke, Beth, of um, people experiencing anxiety and depression as more than just a, you know, a, a DSM-5 mm -hmm. diagnosis or whatever. It, it's it entered the lexicon more, mm -hmm. which, you know, I don't know. That's, um, I, I guess, in a in sort of a pop psychology way that can be kind of kind of silly, but it's not in the sense that people are talking about, I feel anxious. I, you know, I, I'm feeling, I feel like I'm depressed. And people would shy away from that kind of stuff uh, perhaps earlier. They wouldn't want to uh, go there. In light of that, I'm thinking about things returning to normal and or returning to or, or pandemic being over you know whatever whatever that looks like um, there might be an assumption that we're all gonna join hands and sing kumbaya you know and it's all gonna you know be a brighter day but the the mind remembers things but the body remembers things too and so what what happens to a body that has learned to live a certain way during a time of heavy stress? And you want to speak to that? Um, <clears throat> well, a couple of things um, that come to mind immediately is, from my perspective, the body and the mind are one thing. Okay. But we yeah. do often delineate them as two. But any image, thought, idea that any of us have, there's a physical correlate. Okay. And see, I don't think people normally think about that. In so, so to hold in any image that you're having at the moment means that you structure yourself and hold yourself in a certain way to contain that. Okay. So, so there's this... You shape your body around the thought that you're having. Right. Okay. Right. Your body is shaped according to the way you think, the way you feel, the way you put things together... And thus, you can imagine with this, well, my experience has been this kind of ongoing COVID contraction. COVID contraction. Yeah, I, I just made that up. Okay. But, uh, That's pretty good. At but, first I thought you said COVID contraption. Like yeah, there's some, contraction. Uh, contraction. Contraction. Okay, so, the, 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 there's a holding. I see people walking in my office and their breath, oh, they're, they're, they're squeezing a little bit. They're tightening. You can see their face a little furrowed. They're, and again... There, there's this kind of ongoing fear, as okay. I see it, as a, you know, like a low-grade fever, like a, like a low-grade fever. Okay. It's a virus. It's not the pandemic may go away. I don't see COVID going anywhere. Mm. Oh. Is how I see it. So, so at some level, I haven't heard anything that's going to exterminate the virus. I just haven't heard yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the flu. The flu has right, ever sure. gone away, and right. so, and so I can see us adjusting. But also the adjusting means I've got to change. And, if, and every time I'm changing means I'm stepping into some uncertainty. There's a little bit of ambiguity which brings about fear. It can bring about what we're calling anxiety. And when we break that down, you can see people, they talk about holding, hot, cold, tingly, numb, something. They're contracting themselves, yeah. holding their breath and squeezing themselves. Yes. 
and the, the, the furrowing and the brown. Yeah, furrowing yeah. And, and, and the head down. Um, it, it's a fear response. Yeah. Um, Beth, you and I have talked about uh, and, and led a group, in fact, that practice some breathing exercises and you, you do centering prayer. Anything about the, the body's ability to hold on to these stressors uh, come to mind for you? Well, some of the practices of meditative breathing do help to focus attention on places in your body where there is stress and allowing yourself to focus. Like, for example, I feel stress and it feels, I feel it here. Mm -hmm. Then when you allow yourself to feel that and to name it, then it, it is an allowance. It's an invitation to your mind to acknowledge that feeling that's there and that's connected to your body. And then there's, if you're, when you're breathing, um, there is something that transforms chemically inside of your body and your brain so that you can move from when you're in anxiety and you're in this lizard brain, which is not able to think. It's like when you just allow yourself this opportunity to breathe slowly, and there's lots of different exercises. I'm trying not to say those kind of things because it gets kind of detailed and yeah, boring, right, right. but just to say that like when you slow down and then you start to allow yourself to breathe, then you're able to acknowledge what's happening. And then there can be some, a little bit of exploration of the feeling, a little bit of investigating what's going on in your mind, and then some nurturance or some, you know, self-compassion that can come and then start yeah. to transform those feelings. And so they, it can really be transformative work if if you can kind of stick with it and and that's what's interesting about what you're saying is the entry point is the body totally I you, love you're that. thinking i got to work on my head i got to work on my, my mind the way i'm thinking and you know cognitive uh stuff but not so it really it doesn't have to be that such way such a good point though that your body is the entry point yeah. and it's so tangible and so Present, you know. I mean, there's something yes. about that that is just right. so well, that it's a, simple. It's a thing. It's a point in space, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. it's a door. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay. This is such a weird example, but I just want to tell you, this is so weird. But I was okay. Like well, my, this this is all about weirdness. Good. So, okay. Go so it's so funny. I'm just thinking of how the body is so, and maybe y'all can relate to this. And if you can't, just we wasted. A minute, I'll try to make it a quick story. <laughs> but okay, so my daughters are there. We're doing this theater thing. They're in UIL, and so they have to. At one of the competitions, they had to be at school early morning. Like felt like the middle of the night. And so we're driving, and I've got my coffee, and we're talking, and all of a sudden, and I drive this drive. I've been driving this for Lane knows. I mean, four years. I've been doing this a long time, driving this drive, uh -huh. and um, all of a sudden, I am gripped with panic. Literally, my physical body, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm just driving, talking to my daughter, and I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? And I'm like, I'm, am I becoming dementia? Am I having, like, Alzheimer attack yeah. or something? And, what, and I was like, I don't know where I am. And then I, finally, I was like, Reese, I think I'm lost. Do you know? Well, what happened is, I just, they've kind of done some road work, and I, I had driven three extra miles down the road, and I missed my turn, which I've literally never done in three yeah. years, three yeah. or four years. 
But my body knew. It, it, and and I, I tried to talk myself out of it. Okay. I was like, no, Beth, you're good. Yeah. And then, and then I was like, okay, and I kept driving. And then again, it's like this gripping feeling. Yeah. I'm like, I am yeah. not good. Something is wrong. <laughs> and so eventually, but I, I have gone back to that many times because I was like, I had, I had, I had to pay attention to my body. Mm-hmm. And then once I did, I was like, okay, you know, it, but it was, it, it has happened to that, that's an example of me, but I've watched it with my clients where they will talk about what happened in their body yes. before they knew what was happening yes. in their yes. minds or their hearts. And their body will not, it's like that book, if y'all know this book, The Body Keeps the Score, it's like the body yeah. knows. It's so good. Yeah. So wise. Yeah. There's so much wisdom in the body. Mm-hmm. So I that's love right. that you're saying like that's the entry point. Oh, yeah. And you know, I, um, that, that kind of, of, Body, bodily response that it knows that something is wrong. With you, it was actually literally driving into new territory. <laughs> but with other people, it may be figuratively driving into new territory. But the body, the bodily response is exactly the same. Like they walk into a room and they see people that they, they perceive a threat. You know the the vega vagal you know response and all that. It it, it um, and they immediately have that same kind of thing because they're in unfamiliar territory. But whether it's actual landscape or metaphorical landscape, the body is going to, to do what it does uh, to act to protect us. And I was just reading, or did you, were you going to say something? No, no. I, I was yeah, just yeah. reading about um, a, uh, what was this book? It's, a, it's actually a book on... Um, IFS and body work, actually, internal family systems and, and body work. No, it's some, I don't know who it is. Anyway, um, it, it is, um, oh, maybe, it may be, that, that very well may be, yeah. What's the last name? McCullough. McCullough. I, I think it is Susan McCullough. Anyway, um, she was saying that the body tissues themselves and the, Tissue and bodily fluids and all that. They there's there's a there's a memory that they have, and they you know when you touch the body in in this. And she's a therapist who does somatic uh, work uh, in, in addition to talk therapy. Um, she says that that a therapist can um, that the body will communicate to the therapist as well when the therapist asks permission to, to touch you know, the body, that those fluids will either, uh, the tissues and fluids will, will transmit a message. They'll either transmit an accepting message or a rejection message. Does that make any sense to you, uh, oh, Dr. Wooten? Yeah, it makes total sense um, in that we're just not thinking beings. I mean, there, there is thought, there is thinking, there is mind. But there's this coordination of, of cartilage and ligaments and muscle and blood yeah. and that, that are all living in organic things, which takes us back to the breath, um, or I want to take it back there for a moment. Yeah, absolutely. Because typically the first line of defense for all of us, particularly as infants, was the holding of the breath. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. It's the holding. And thus, what can happen under chronic situations that we can then form around 
the holding that we that we're in. Okay. We can crystallize around the trauma, so to speak. So we we just adopt that we, as we, we, we a adopt pattern it. of we crystallize around it. Our breath patterns keep that going, and so okay. as I see breath as well, it's a way to re-spirit us. When you well, look at the spirit, root word of that, spirit right. is breath right. and wind. It, it, yeah. It's re-spiriting. So anytime we can take a conscious breath or a conscious exhale, then we're on the path to healing. That's, okay. Which is a way to regulate, a way to bring yeah. order uh, and regularness. Yeah, back. focusing on the exhale kicks in our parasympathetic nervous system. So, so this exhale, focus on the exhale, which you're going to naturally inhale. Right, I'm wanting to do that now as we're talking about it. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So, and, and it's interesting that the, that breathing then, while we're while we're talking about it here, is it is an involuntary thing. I mean, the body uh, has to breathe, and so, you, but it can also be controlled. And it is so. You're talking about an entry point that we can't say, okay, heartbeat, slow down. We can't say, okay, uh, you know, adrenal gland, stop producing adrenaline. But we can say, okay, breath, follow this rhythm. And even though it's an, even though we breathe automatically, even when we're asleep, we we have some measure of control, and that gives us a an entry point to the rest of the body. Right? Is that yeah, something it, like it, the? It's an entry point. And also, you know, to talk about the body and touch, which you brought up. Okay, yeah. Um, what we're kind of saying is that, or is the way I see it, is sensation is where I want people to focus their attention. I see that as the first language of the body. Probably also the next language of the body, if not also the first, is touch. Because think of infants. For them to thrive, what has to happen? Well, of course, they need to be seen, but they need to be held, touched, yeah. caressed. Without that, we've seen the studies of failure to thrive and, and other right. developmental anomalies that come from not being touched. So all we are is big babies. <laughs> you want to think about it that way. I mean, as adults, we're just grown-up babies. Yeah, and, okay. And again, we, we, particularly here in the West, we live in a culture that, oh, you're touching me. So think of COVID now. Yeah. Unfortunately, they called it social distancing. I wish they'd have called it physical distance, mm. not social oh. distance. Why didn't they say physically separate? We can still socialize. Mm. We can still connect. Oh, my word. So I'm thinking yeah. that That's for me, COVID has only illuminated touch deprivation. Mm. Yeah. That, yeah. again, the touching of a shoulder or... A reaching of a hand because we haven't been shaking hands we haven't been reaching out and patting on the back right. we haven't yeah. done all the things that before were just natural I, proximity stepping into someone yeah. i have felt touch deprivation mm -hmm. socially as well and i've just become aware of that it just kind of this is a new revelation yeah. for me i have typically um you know, as a as a pastor, I have spent 30 years standing at the door of the church and people walking by and shaking hands and, and you know, how are you and how's your brother and, you know, all that. And um, 
and that's necessary, you know, in a faith community. But I have also I also remember several times, depending on I guess how my level of anxiety was for that day, I've also thought after the last person has gone, I can't touch anything until I wash my hands. I've got to go wash my hands. And so I've and then when the pan, I'm going somewhere with the story actually, when the pandemic started, I read an article that said we're not going to be you know, how these think pieces come out, you know, and people ponder and they think they're so profound, you know, in the articles they write. And this person said, uh, we have stopped shaking hands as a society, and maybe that's a good thing. You know, it spreads germs, it blah, 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 you know, all this. And I thought to myself, yeah, okay, that's good. We can, we can not, we can be done with that kind of thing. And I thought, that's, yeah, that makes sense to me. And then, just the other day, somebody came in, a client came in, and I, he reached out his hand, and I took it and shook it, and I, it was kind of, it was kind of an emotional thing, I realized, oh my word, I'm touching somebody's hand, and that feels good. I, and I couldn't believe that I that I felt that, and I didn't even feel like I had to go wash my hands, you know, after that. So the power of that's power. I mean, that's just such power and, of what Doctor Wood said. Yes, I, I had not even thought about it in my own body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know we're kind of going off script here, but so much of what we're talking about is kind of being attuned to our body and being able to listen to it. And some of what we talked about last time you were with us, Dr. Wooten, was we often have a, a distrust for our body or a dislike for our body. And that's really hard to, yeah. to take those cues. Like, you know, in your moment of kind of panic, it's, it's hard to take that with grace or with love for yourself when, you know, we're, oh, my knees are giving out or, oh, you know, I wish I could lose a weight or, you know, we, we often have oh, this that's right. disdain yep. for our physical selves, but it's hard when we need, when, if our body is the entry point for all of these things, it's hard to take those cues with grace. And I had a similar moment to you of, I was getting my first COVID shot and I was so excited, you know, the whole day. And then about an hour before I got there, I, I had the like, oh, panic over overcome me and I didn't know why. And I was like, I'm, I'm not medically, you know, I'm okay with needles, you know, and I couldn't figure it out. And I think it was my body had been holding on to this anticipation for over a oh, year, word, you know, and then finally there's this moment of, okay, I, this is a physical step forward, but I had not been taking those cues with very much grace. So finally my body just kind of <laughs> overtook that, you know, but if we had some more grace for our physical selves, that would take us so far. But yeah. I don't know if y'all have any thoughts on that, but that's, that's a difficult first step sometimes, you know? Yeah. To, to, feel a rejection, a kind of rejection mm-hmm. for your own, for yeah. your own body yeah. is, is not uncommon. Yeah. Really. I love your word, grace. Oh man. Because that feels so counter cultural and yet it's what we need. The grace and the compassion towards ourselves. So hard to come by. I mean, I think yeah. of like looking out at the beautiful people here and I'm thinking, do you know how wise your body is? And do you know how 
wise your feelings are so that you can mm. gracefully and attentively listen to them. You know, it's like you really, um, I think what we're talking about makes me just want to like make sure that everyone could hear that for a moment mm. and try to um, receive that message of grace to yourself because Absolutely. it's so hard. Absolutely. That is, it's paramount really. Mm -hmm. Um, and the wisdom of the body and of the feelings, you said body and feelings, we have these things that we so disparage, our bodies uh, and our feelings. We say, I don't know what it is about our society, but it, it is, we say, oh, you know, that's just feelings. And even sometimes there's a strain of teaching in Christianity that says, don't trust your feelings, you know, uh, faith is, you know, it's not about how you feel. It's about what you believe, you know, and you can't feel yourself into heaven or whatever. You know, I mean, it's it, it, it is feelings have been held in low regard, I think, uh, often. And we we even have a word we say or a phrase we say touchy feely. Mm -hmm. And that that encompasses both the physical and the emotional, and we throw it in the garbage can. We say, I'm not really the touchy-feely, or that was so touchy-feely, and we, we look at it, we infantilize it. We say it's, it's for little kids or whatever, and, and it is to our detriment, I think. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And as we're, I know we're, tonight we're focusing on COVID and mental health, because that's yeah. a good entry point into this conversation, especially for someone that, hasn't either dealt with mental health much in, in their own lives or hasn't kind of gone down that road. But as we've now been in COVID for over a year, um, what are some of the signs of COVID exhaustion or of, um, you know, okay, things are really kind of taking a turn. What are some kind of signs that we can look out for to say, okay, I need to, you know, I'm trudging through life in a, in a difficult way. What are some things to just be looking out for? I think we've all felt it, but I don't know if we could identify what those things are. My experience has been, and, and what I've witnessed uh, are some things we've already mentioned. I think some signs of COVID exhaustion are uh, kind of the headliners are stress, depression, anxiety. Mm -hmm. But I like to think of things as uh, irritability, mm. um, short-tempered, um, inexplicable moments of crying, mm. of yeah. tears, of um, lashing out, um, short tempers, um, excessive, you know, substance use and abuse. Um, I think some, as I say, it kind of general mental health things that I've seen over the, the years I've been working. But, um, but often some of them are subtle. Mm -hmm. Thus we play them off as, well, it's just a thing or it's just me. I'm hearing people now saying, well, it's just me. I'm, I'm just this mm -hmm. way. And I'm going, ah, I, don't, I don't think you're just that way. Mm -hmm. um, let, let, let's take it back or where, where are you experiencing this? So I think there's just some general signs of just fatigue. Um, I don't see that going away for a while. I think the reverberations are, are being held because we don't know. And after, you know, this has been a year, 
it's chronic. It's not so acute as I see it now. Now it's... It, it, oh, it's, yeah, it's transitioned into... It, you know, here we are. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I know for myself sometimes I can find myself um, having startle responses, mm -hmm. going into places and people are masked or not masked or... Yeah, so, right. You know, uh, that maybe there's not the physical distance. Um, I had a little different situation. I had somebody reach out and I naturally shook it. Then I walked around like this for five minutes. <laughs> well, like, and that's, ah. that's, that was what I was early in the pandemic. I was, I was that way, you know. Um, but, but I just tell that story as, as, you know, it's a shock in my body. Right. It's a, right. It's, it's a holding, it's a contraction, it's not allowing things to flow. Yeah. So I, I think there's just, let me coin another one. I think part of the exhaustion is COVID constipation. <laughs> is that is that lack how, of being able? How many to, phrases can you coin tonight, it, it, Dr. Wooten? Is this lack of being able to express myself okay. in a relationship with yeah. you? Because I'm over here, we're right. masked up. There's no social cues. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's not. Hey, just punching you in the arm. Right. Exactly. Just the usual banter. It's because yeah. uh, I was watching this here. We we were all being polite. We kind of yeah, said, right. hey, put our mask on. <laughs> And I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm not knocking it. No, I. But but but, but it there's has, a price. It there's has an price. effect, right? It has. Yeah. It, there's a price. On so it, many of the conversations I've had, especially with young people in school, whether that's high school or college, the conversation over and over is, I just, I'm just not motivated anymore. And I had a conversation with a high school girl once, and she was like, you know, I used to get straight A's. I've never gotten anything but A's, and I have two F's this semester. And she just couldn't wow. understand yeah. why. And it's this lack of motivation, and it was this question of, well, what's wrong with me, or what's gotten into me? Yes. So I feel like if that's a question you've been asking yourself, maybe it's not that something's wrong with you. Maybe this is exhaustion. That's a great point, Megan. Yeah. I don't know if y'all have seen that yeah. in your clients. but Lots lots more screen time. That's mm -hmm. the one. Oh, yeah, seen. screen time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that, that it's not a natural thing. Um, sleep deprivation, have you seen that? Uh, people suffering from that or experiencing that? Um, uh, and also avoidant behavior. I, I've, I've noticed an uptick along the pandemic in me, which actually probably uh, influenced my eventual realization that I was, you know, touch-deprived or whatever. But um, in our building where we live, uh, I have all pandemic long I've taken to waiting until the elevators are empty mm. to use them. And I've developed an ability to tell when they are full or empty as they're coming up the shaft. And it's kind of a superpower, but, uh, you know, but, uh, well, I, mechanisms I, we, have a, we, we kind of have a, a noisy <laughs> elevator shaft and I can tell when people are getting on or off or when the signal, there's a signal for when the elevator is going down or up, there's a different signal. Yeah. And I can tell if they're, uh, if it's, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, I can tell by the pattern of signals if it's empty or. Full. We've probably all developed some of these things that yeah. we wouldn't. And I've even never, I've never said that out loud, but that that's <laughs> anyway avoidant behavior, I yeah. think, and that's not good, really. I don't. I mean, over the long haul. Well, I think it's stressful. It's stressful. Just yes, to, it is just stressful. Just to put it all within that. It's stressful. Yeah. Okay. Well, so much of COVID, at least for me personally, has been, you know, I, I've been fortunate I haven't gotten sick and I haven't had a lot of loved ones that have, but 
So much. You of have the, had oak allergies, though. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if allergies are, <laughs> but so much of the COVID experience, at least for me, has been an imagined one. You know, what what would happen if I were to get sick, or oh, if my spouse yeah. or a loved one were to get sick, and I kind of live in this imagined reality more than anything else. And so much of my anxiety or my um, physical response to those things, it. It hasn't been to anything in particular that's really truly happened. It's been to the imagined reality. And so I don't know if y'all have found this in in your clients or in your practice, but it seems that our minds and bodies react to an an imagined reality just as much as they do actual reality. Have y'all seen that before? Do you have thoughts on that? (laughs) Or am I the only one? I don't know. You might be the only one. (laughs) I know. I know that's not true. I mean, um, immediately, um, right, if you imagine it, then you're going to experience it somatically. Picture and imagine, and whatever that is, there's going to be an effect. So you're just saying it's been a chronic imagination, mm-hmm. right, kind of hanging in there and replaying it. And, yeah, I, actually, a lot of folks come in with that. It's what's going to happen, and this is what it is, and this is what it looks like. Um, yeah. It, it's fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then often accompanying that is then they catch themselves, their shame and guilt and doubt. And so there's this endless cycle of, you know, beating themselves up about it. I mean, that's been some of my experience with yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Beth, have you seen that? Yes. And I was, I think when you asked the question, I was just thinking of um, the importance of um, knowing the meaning behind Mm. the people, the experience. Um, There's something really significant about understanding why that's important to you. And um, granted, yes, I I feel like there is this theory out there that your brain, I've I've read about this, that your brain, um, that that sports psychologists will tell you to imagine that you've won because and and gotten the reward because there's like the same exact chemicals that are released just by imagining. So I'm with you on that whole experience, and I do think that there's um, there is that um, fight or flight experience that stays with you when you're that scared and and scared about death and life and and disease. Um, but I guess I, it, it, there is also this like meaning to it, you know, it's like, what does this mean to you and to your life and to your future? And, um, and that seems, um, an important part of the, uh, healing of us now, or the, at least the engagement of those fears right now. Yeah. If, if you can imagine a future with a deficit, maybe you can imagine a future with mm-hmm. a surplus of things mm-hmm. that are life-giving and mm-hmm. life-bringing, I guess, um, and see how the body responds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, We often think of the future as fearful. I, I am very good at that. Um, how do we know signs of stress. I mean, I, we've talked about it a little bit, but I just want to clarify that. It, how do we know? Because we can get used to a level of, you know, bodily status quo, be it red line, you know, or whatever, 
I mean, maybe not for very long, and mm -hmm. we, it takes a toll, but mm -hmm. how do we know that we're not just, how do we know that we're, we're in stress? So I have like, like in my mind, I kind of think of like four different things, four Ps in my mind. Like, like there's no pleasure. You know, that's something that is um, a key factor in being stressed is that um, it is very difficult to feel pleasure about like either touch, um, joy, the enjoyment of people when there is stress, pleasure is diminished and yeah. it's very difficult to have an experience of pleasure, which is part of our, you know, the sensation that we need to have as mm. humans, yeah. you know, to function and to function well. Yeah, pleasure is necessary. It's, it's not it's just necessary. sort of a luxury, I right. guess. And then physical, like our physical bodies can be, um, when we notice that we are um, lethargic, we are sleep either sleeping too little, sleeping too much. You know, when we can tell that our, that we're, um, there, you know, some people have headaches. Some people have, they're aware of the teeth grinding. I've got some clients that are dealing with that. And that's such a telltale. They're like, I thought I was okay and I'm not, mm, you know, yeah. I'm grinding my yeah. teeth. Well, not that you aren't, but it's like, it's just one of those, like phys your physical body starts to tell you things or you start to be aware, you know, um, what are you putting into your body? Mm -hmm. You know, what physically are you drinking more, eating more, drugging more? What is it, you yeah. know, that might be numbing yourself out, mm -hmm. you know, just throwing the cookies in, which I do sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's like, but still like mm -hmm. from a physical yeah. standpoint, yeah. Um, presence, I think of presence when you start to detach and you're not present anymore, you know, and you're not present to yourself, you're not present to others. Um, and you're, and, and even not feeling your own presence in a good way, like a positive mm -hmm. way, you know? Um, right. uh, and then peace. I was just thinking about, you know, like emotional distress, you know, that really is a, um, when you are aware of, I think, you know, resentment, irritability, like you were talking about, Dr. Wooten, and when those, those the, the kinds of things that will cause um, grave distress in relationships, mm -hmm. are, you know, that, that's when there is no peace. You know, um, and yeah. that to me is another telltale sign of stress is when you're really having trouble, the relationships get messy because you're really having trouble um, with those, uh, the lack of peace in your own heart. Okay. And it's yeah. coming out in those like negative, like kind of, uh, how do I know? Barbed this so well? ways, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, pleasure, physicality, mm -hmm. presence, mm -hmm. peace. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Good, good. All of those, uh, I also see an inability to bounce back from things. Mm -hmm. seems, okay. Resilience seems to be compromised. Um, I've had more people come in with compromised immune systems. Uh, they're, they're, they're getting, getting sick, sick and yeah. sick. Um, I work with a lot of Which I'm sure is a cycle now that yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. anxious right. about COVID and it's right. making them sick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, more physical injuries um, from. Yeah. Just doing everyday normal tasks. And oh yeah, yeah. So, plus all that Beth was mentioning. Okay, there, you know. okay. And I know we have to move on to Q and A soon. Yeah, we do. Um, and before, yeah. you can once you take that last one, but I, I do want to yeah. just insert one here. Yeah. What do we do? Do we go? We go sign up for counseling. You know, I mean that's <laughs> yes. that's always a good thing. Yes, we do. Uh, With one of these. But but yeah. it, we do we. You know, what if 
what do we do? How do we say, I'm going to address these things? Uh, do we just, you know, I mean, do we ha have to have, do we say, hey, would you let me talk over with you some things I'm facing? What, what do we do? What do we do? Well, we're exhausted. That, 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 that's, a, that's a big question. Um, what immediately came to mind is get more hugs. Uh, I mean, Virginia okay. Satir said it takes yeah. four hugs a day to survive. <laughs> you know, it takes about eight to maintain and 12 to thrive. And I'm going, I'm kind of hug deprived. Okay. So how, how about a hug? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, After the panel discussion. Right. Um, and so, so I'm, I mean, I'm, on a more serious note, well, that is serious, is touch and connection. Okay. I think there's been an over-reliance on uh, self-regulation. Okay. That, that I can regulate myself. I can get my stuff together. I, yeah. can, I, I can do this. I can man up. I can make this happen and control myself. When, in fact, we were created to be relational. So yeah. co-regulation is in order. Co-regulation. Co-regulation. That's the way we were regulated as infants, with our caregiver, right brain to right brain, eyeballs to eyeballs. Mm -hmm. You know, look at a caregiver and a baby. Man, they're, they're just, there's this locked-in experience, and when the child is hurt or falls or needs something, there's this ongoing, you know, let me find the eyes, let me find connection. Yeah. Again, w adults are just grown-up infants. I said a little different. <laughs> and thus, there's got to be connection. Yeah. So if I'm upset, well, you know, you're in the business when people are upset to, yeah. what, eyeball them and just your presence. How many times have people have said, God, you just helped kind of... Yeah, just, it, just it, that's an old... You know, sort of an old maxim, you know, just the ministry of presence ministry is of what presence. we say. There you have it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. This is, see, that is great because it, it, is a, it is a step. It is a step. When we touch somebody, that is itself a, a giving up of our, our self determination because we are, you know, uh, or in a or self complete self-regulation because we are connecting. We are, we're in a, a connecting mode. Um, any thoughts on what do we do, or, you know, with, oh, with I was stress? thinking about how um, it is important to assess personally just your level of suffering okay. and yeah. to honestly reflect on how you're doing and to be raw with yourself and to know that um, that is about kind of what we've talked about here, like the longing for touch, yeah. the longing for relationship, those longings when they are unmet create this level of suffering that we need to understand, acknowledge, and then um, reach out, like to know you didn't cause your suffering. Like there's not, there's that you don't have to have a conversation with yourself about how wrong you are yeah. or how bad you are for your suffering. You did not do anything to cause it. Um, and at the same time, you are not alone. There are others suffering. And so mm. there's something about being able to be with others. I love that there are people here, like you're not alone. We're yeah. not alone. We're, yeah. we're all, we've kind of addressed, like we've had some suffering here. And so somehow acknowledging that then can 
lead you to a next step, which might be to um, have a conversation with someone, mm. whether a counselor, whether a trusted friend, whether, you know, most of the time there is like a, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> most of the time there's um, a, someone that'll come to your mind when you think about who might be a trusted person, you know, like, Ah, you know, so most yeah. most of us have someone we can think somebody of. Somebody who's for you. Yeah, yeah, someone who's who you can res- who you think might respect, love, um, and that that it, it's that's a way to kind of cross over that line in the sand that may be there where you don't necessarily let yourself suffer with someone. Uh-huh. So that may be a next step is to think about um, touch and connection. Okay. Um, and and then, you know, entering into the healing work of counseling is a is, you know, you can kind of go as, you know, go as you can do whatever you want with counseling. Like I just don't want to yeah. be this person who goes, everyone needs counseling. Like I think that right. um, friendship, deep, mm. meaningful friendship, conversation. Which is another neglected domain in our yes, society. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Friendship. And and that's not to say that sometimes, you know, counseling is, I obviously, I believe in it. I have done it. I'm doing it. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm a part of that kind of relationship with people, but really it's just about like having a, um, a healing, a healing, engaging relationship with people where yeah. you can share suffering and move, um, through it to hope. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so much of what we're doing here at Thursday in the City with this Mental Health Month is aiming to kind of start the conversation around mental health, to kind of break some of that stigma around mental health. And COVID has forced us all to kind of reckon with with ourselves a little bit more. And mm. we might be a little more willing to have this conversation than we might have been before COVID about, yeah. about mental health and about where we're really at with those things. And so... Um, what can we do to continue to break that stigma and continue to move forward with our mental health? And do y'all feel like COVID has kind of helped in that effort to break that stigma or that hesitance around this conversation? Then we'll move to Q&A. But yeah, yeah. have y'all seen a, a positive move there <laughs> through COVID? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I keep, I feel like I'm like Mrs. Positivity about it <laughs> because I keep saying, yeah, it's like I like that part of it yeah. in that it has allowed the conversation to be started and continued and hopefully continued through. And people will be asking, how are you doing after, you know, things are, because it's not going away to your point. It isn't necessarily going to be gone extinct. We're going to be dealing with it at various levels. And so hopefully the conversation will continue. And this also can be used to, um, really deepen our hearts and deepen our paths of wholeness. Mm. Um, yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. No, go, go ahead. You yeah, were, no, I was just thinking about, um, yeah, I was just thinking about, um, uh, I always think about mystics and I always think about like during these kinds of times, people turn to those kinds of ancient wise ones. And I was thinking about Julian of Norwich and I didn't realize that she had been in like- She was ill. I know, almost died. Yeah. Then was in this plague. They think maybe she lost her husband and kids, which I, who knew? I didn't know that. I don't know if that, that's a a concept that changes my 
understanding in a wow. very yeah, she was deeper way. Yeah. So like, she she had she was in during the plague during the, the bubonic the, plague. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yet she's the one, and you guys know the saying, but I just think she's the one who said, "All will be well." She is. And all shall be well, and every manner of things shall be well. And I just think, okay, even in the midst mm. of that, yeah. may I so be able to say with her mm-hmm. and with all of us, "All will be well," even if. Yeah. Beth, that that quote from her has sustained me in some pretty dark times, and I think now is the time for that quote. I mean, absolutely right, Doctor Wooten. Anything to add to that? Is it a, is this a stigma reducer pandemic? Well, uh, I've seen some literature recently um, with the increase of telehealth. More people have. Oh yeah, it's it's, just, it's been one more accessible. Two, right. it's uh, right there in your own home on your phone or tablet with someone else. Right. And a lot of the um, agencies and insurance companies have just kind of opened that up in ways they would not ordinarily would have opened it so up. So counseling via uh, platform, video platform. Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, 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 telehealth. And so I've seen there's been a huge increase. So I know the accessibility, I think, has helped kind of drive down the the stigma of yeah. Of, of what the experience is. Man, if that if it can really drive the stigma down. Yeah, it, yeah if you could do it from your living room, it feels a little uh, less yeah, right. intimidating. And, yeah. and if this pandemic as a whole can drive the stigma down, uh, more power to it in that regard, uh, <laughs> and in that regard only, I guess. Um, okay, some questions have come in uh, on, uh, on Slido here, um, and uh, there are some room for more questions, but and this is this is for you, Megan. Um, what do I do to have more grace with my body? Mm. Well, y'all, please chime in with this too. I think that is a learning process for everyone. I know it took me realizing that I was angry with my body, you know, that mm. I only had negative thoughts about it, or, you know, and not that it was some chronic way or, some, you know, some particular mental health issue that I dealt with, but I had not had a kind thought about my body. And it wasn't until a conversation where I realized that, that I was like, oh my goodness, I'm at war with myself here. Mm. You know, why am I doing this to myself? You know, wouldn't it be easier if I, if I had some grace? Cause we know, and so much of this, we talked about, um, with Dr. Wooten and the mind, body, spirit connection is, you know, Christ is God embodied. And yeah. if Christ is in me, then I can't hate my body. You know, this is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and it is holy. And we forget that we are holy beings. You know, we yeah. forget that that Christ is at work physically just as much as he is spiritually. It's a great, great and, phrase right there. But, yeah. I mean, it's so easy to go through life without, you know, that being in our minds. And so I think the more we remember that Christ is just as much in us physically as he is spiritually, then we mm. will have inevitably we'll have some grace, right? Because Christ has grace for us. Um, yeah. But but that is a process, right? And I still have those thoughts. Those, you know, I'm still not very graceful with myself very often, but um, yeah, even being able to notice, oh, that was a moment where I could have had more grace for myself. I'll do better next time. Yeah. You know, and that's a moment of grace too, right? Or, oh, yeah, I am in pain, but what is my body trying to tell me? Yes. You know, and, and starting yes. to ask more questions of ourselves instead of... Yes 
just becoming angry. Um, yeah. I don't know if y'all have any other thoughts on that, but that is a long process. Yeah. Thoughts there, anybody? Um, please jump in if you. I uh, if you I was I um I was thinking about um this concept of uh like talking about your body almost in third person like she is strong like she is good and imagining yourself would you mm. ever say this some of the things that you say to yourself mm. like in your dark moments about your own body mm. would you ever say that to someone you love mm. to a woman that you love or a man that you love yeah. would you ever say you know that's um that is a good barometer and i was also thinking about um writing a letter like i know um there's this concept of like writing a letter to your body and like saying how grateful you that. are mm -hmm. for your body and all that she or he has done for you yeah. and like the strength of your legs getting mm -hmm. you through and the you know the the brilliance of your mind mm -hmm. or the you know whatever it is mm -hmm. that you're just like able to acknowledge um acknowledge goodness yeah. and sometimes you know getting it down on paper or however you know sometimes that kind of forces the issue so yeah. even yeah. even when there is maybe um disorder in the body or infirmity or you know disability um we we have a hard time i think you know in our society because we we build things for able-bodied people you know, and the the reason people are viewed, reason people with disabilities are viewed as disabled, is because they're trying to navigate what was built for uh, able-bodied people. Um, and but to encourage this both in able-bodied people and in people with disabilities to say, I my my body is worthy of high honor you know yeah. perhaps yeah. Uh, you know or how do i feel maybe the starting point is how do i feel like you did megan you said i realized i was i had not said anything kind about my mm -hmm. body and just to start there how do i feel towards my body yeah. you know i can you yeah. can find a part that way uh how do i feel towards my body um <laughs> Uh, Beth, you talk about getting lost after heavy encounters, uh, and you were talking about you know with, in, in clients or heavy encounters that sessions or whatever about getting lost and your head being down and so forth. What do you do in order to find yourself again? I was for a moment. I was like, "Did I get? I got lost again?" Like, it's <laughs> like there's a theme here. I'm getting uh, lost. Feeling actually, I get disoriented it. Yeah, and lost. yeah, yeah. And, and, kind of um, like you are, like you feel now. Yeah, uh, yeah. in real time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I have to say, like, there's this. It's a. It's kind of a just a the. Um, leaving a conversation and then just. Um, recognizing the beauty and the power and the truth that happened. And then, you know, kind of the awareness of, wow, that was so powerful and so beautiful and so disorienting in the getting, you know, getting lost in it that um, it's, I don't know how to say it, but it's like just acknowledging that and going, oh, wow, that was 
that was good. And then next, next conversation. Mm. I mean, it really is just a, like that happened and it's going to happen again. You know, there's, here's another like unique individual in front of me that is just as beautiful, just as, um, fascinating and, and it, it happens again, you know, like each person is brings their uniqueness. So it really is that it's like just an, it's a new person, like meeting a new person, talking to a new conversation. Does that bring you back to a sense of yourself with this other person? If you've, if you felt, if you leave a session or leave a conversation, maybe not even a session, maybe just a, a lot of paperwork or a lot of, or a hard day or, you know, Mm-hmm. You, you you come back to yourself mm-hmm. in realizing these things yes. like that. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's that's good. Uh, I think we can feel lost. I I know I, I can't you know lost in thought. I'm not even paying attention to the world around me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, feeling a little far away. I think it's like, forget where I am. I forgot that I was at the ecumenical center. Like I forgot, like I was so involved that I forgot my surroundings. Yeah. You know, it's like that. And then it's like, Oh, here we are. Like that, you know, I'm yes, I'm back here. Yes. Back in the moment. Back in the moment. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, in, in my, see, hang on. I lost the question there. Where'd it go? Oh, in, I think, in my opinion, different cultural backgrounds have distinct ways of handling this whole pandemic area. Anybody want to comment on that? Is it, are we, and I don't, you know, cultural backgrounds, Western or Eastern culture, or, you know, is this ethnic? I, I, I don't know, uh, different uh, ethnicities. But we in the the West, we we tend to be a little more um, logical and in our heads about this thing, don't we? Rather than in our in our bodies and in our emotions. Mm-hmm. Any any thought there at all? Well, I, I agree with the statement mm-hmm. from. Yeah, yeah. I, I do agree with that. Um, the people I see in my practice are probably representative of San Antonio. And so, you know, it's Western, different races and ethnicities. Um, but one thing that, that I've seen that everybody does very similarly is fear. Mm, okay. um, it seems to be kind of across the board how, how that manifests. What I see culturally probably is some gravitating more towards family than others. Mm. Um, some okay. maybe calling on more faith than others. Um, so I have seen that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Family, faith, these kinds of, of uh, domains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we've talked, we talked about this uh, some, but uh, how do you feel the lack of physical touch has affected you or others during the pandemic, any further thoughts about physical touch uh, from from anybody here? Um, I think I for, I for you know I start to feel like I'm just living in a in a vacuum almost. You know I forget that yeah. there's interaction to be had sometimes. Um, you know when it, we don't have that physical touch point. You know right to, to interact with one another. Yeah, I I can get caught up in my 
I'm, I'm less aware of other people, I think. I have felt yeah. the gulf between people mm-hmm. more, I yeah. think. And it's always on my mind. And are mm-hmm. they thinking I'm too close mm-hmm. physically? Is there mm-hmm. too much proximity here? Mm-hmm. Or is this, it's never, I mean, I have felt early in the pandemic, I remember feeling that person standing behind me in line at mm-hmm. HEB is too close. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that anymore. I, now I think, am, are they thinking that I'm too close <laughs> to them? Or were you going to say something, Beth? I, I know I feel awkward and embarrassed more. Like, I don't know how to handle mm. it. And I feel like a fool sometimes when mm. I, it's still an instinct to reach out. And, yes. you know, I think I did it. I was like that. Like, well, with Ray, I, I'm like, the I other know, day I, I did, <laughs> somebody said, somebody started out with a fist bump mm-hmm. and, and then changed to a handshake. <laughs> and we were both, we were, mm-hmm. we were doing this for a while. You know, mm-hmm. when, when I was like this. He was like mm-hmm. this, and when I was like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, it's mm-hmm. it was it's been awkward. In, yeah, it is awkwardness. Degree. Yeah, you mm-hmm. just don't know what to do with your. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. you would normally give a hug or something. There's just <laughs> nothing right. to fill that space. Yeah, mm-hmm. but nothing to fill that space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but literally, yeah. That's There's a good. Just, that's mm-hmm. a good way to phrase that. And in church on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. we've just instead of the greeting time, we just wave to one another <laughs> from our seats. But yeah, I know, and that's been nice to at least make eye contact and. You know, acknowledge each other, but yeah, there's still that longing for the day to be able to hug each other again. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and do you feel COVID has suppressed our ability to share emotions and share with others, or has it been easier to share? Uh, we did talk about, I mean, we talked about maybe a, an ability to say, I'm, I feel kind of depressed. Um, more, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know of anybody who has, who has said that I have been fine through this pandemic and it's not affected me. Nobody, maybe, maybe that's not some, something somebody would normally say, but I've, I've heard exactly the opposite. I've never heard anybody say it's been fine. <laughs> No problems here. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So. I could see where it, the experience of depression or anxiety or struggle, if, if someone isn't used to feeling that and COVID has kind of turned up the volume on that part of someone's life, I could see where it would be very difficult to find the language mm-hmm. to articulate those feelings when you haven't lived there. So I could yeah. see where this... Um, I know people that that is a very difficult place to be, and there's it's hard to um, find the accurate and access what it feels like, yes. and then say it so that you can share and connect and maybe receive some comfort. You know, so that that's very interesting that you would say that because um, I, in one of my courses in this counseling program, I I was one of my professors not Dr. Wooten, said uh, to me, you're having trouble in, in, in um, it was a techniques class actually that we were doing and, and we we're rehearsing counseling techniques in the class. And the professor said, it sounds like you're having trouble uh, reflecting on, uh, reflecting emotion, reflecting feelings, uh, which is one, you know, of those techniques, you know, that, and, um, and, 
the professor gave me a feeling wheel and, and said, do this, you know, stop during your day and look at the feeling wheel. It's a wheel of feelings, you know, and, um, and it's, uh, I'd never seen that before, you know, and so I did that for a long, and it was hard. It was hard. Mm -hmm. I, I did that for a while until I just got exhausted from doing that, but um, <laughs> it, it has helped me, and I still have, I do still have trouble articulating mm -hmm. the, putting language around, but I'm, I'm a little better, you know, mm -hmm. and um, at that now in myself, but... Um, like a precise word. A precise yeah. word. Yeah, like it, it really drills down. And it does. Kind of like, no, this is really what I'm feeling. Yes. It seems important. Because I feel like, I, when I say, you know, I feel like I want to be somewhere else, that's not a feeling. That's, you know, a geography lesson. I want to be, <laughs> I'm here and I want to be there. But I feel sad or I feel angry or I feel... Uh, I feel frustrated or, you know, whatever, you know, putting a feeling word there has, didn't come easy for me. And um, I've been working on that, you know, with clients and reflecting that. But it's also important in me to do that, too. I feel this way, you know. I feel like, I feel this feeling. Right, and like being present enough to yourself to kind of yes. really... Yes. understand what the what that what that's all about for you yeah you know that yeah. word what it really means i'm really angry because that you know like mm -hmm. just kind of really drilling down can help yes to clarify what's really yeah i feel angry so because not... i've been left out or mm -hmm. whatever the the uh, i feel like i've been left out you know whatever well in different personality types you know respond to these things so differently. I know for me, I have a tendency to just want to numb out. And, you know, especially during all this, you know, at the beginning of COVID was, I don't, I don't have the mental energy for that. I'm just not going to, you know, be present with myself. And I'm, you know, I just wanted to numb out whether that was watching Netflix or, you know, playing on my phone or whatever that was. And finally I was like, okay, I've really got to reckon with this. You know, but uh. I know for some people that's the natural reaction is to just, you know, shove that away. So if that might be part of that question is, you know, and we've also been forced to kind of, <laughs> you know, go into our holes and just watch a lot of TV and, you know, yeah. it's been easy to numb out to ourselves this whole time. Yeah. Um, and that's not real leisure. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's, it's a, not restful. It's a facsimile of leisure yeah. or yeah. of, yeah. of, of And it's a way of coping that's yeah. just going to be get more yeah. hurt when we, you know, can finally have that reckoning with ourselves. Um, yeah. A couple more questions have come in here, and, and it's one is, um, for the first time in my life, I don't like other people very much. That's kind of a, it's kind of, kind of confessional there. <laughs> <clears throat> and the, the person goes on, I think I've learned how much physical touch and close proximity to others creates compassion. Mm. So is there something... Uh, generative about touch? Does it actually generate a feeling? Generates a release of oxytocin, which wow. is a hormone, okay. hor hormone that is about tending and befriending and connection. Touch. Wow. Touch, so, so that that so when we when when we are involved in a just touch or, or friendly touch or whatever we. 
there's a, there's this physiological phenomenon a release of, of oxytocin so we tend to we we do i guess we would tend to be more compassionate and nurturing then uh, yeah. towards people that's that's amazing wow because if i'm going to touch you i have to acknowledge you right and i have to acknowledge yeah. <laughs> your personhood and if i'm not going to touch you then that's not required of me as and much and then the right? body responds yeah. uh, your own body i guess yeah. so in the toucher yeah. and touchy both uh, that that is released amazing mm. well and whoever asked that question that's really self-aware to, to yeah, see that absolutely. connection um, that's encouraging yeah um i can tell people i love them and there's an understanding that it's an agape kind of love now is what the questioner is saying why was it so hard before this to do that and how do we not revert mm. We don't know. No, that's okay. a really good question. Um, yeah. I mean, we, is there a going back to, you know? The it reminds world? me of like what I was kind of talking about when you're in hospice, you know, like when, when someone oh, yeah. is on their deathbed, there are a lot of things that um, it, is, it is easier to say uh, in that place. Mm. And so it's like I think the, that maybe that's, the threat of aloneness or separation or death um, has caused people to, whoever is mentioning this, maybe that, you know, that's kind of released this uh, or, you know, um, put down the walls in terms yeah. of wanting to be able to share and they don't want to go back. And so they don't it's want to a, go back. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it is, it takes a lot of courage mm. um, to do that even in the moment now. It takes a lot of courage yeah. to, do something different because it sounds like it is something different for this person. So it's um, it's it is a uh, it has to be a courageous intention then you yeah, know yeah. to kind of keep that if that's important to you. It seems like that's a got to be an intention then. Yes, keeping that kind of maybe having more conversations with others about what's going on emotionally mm -hmm. uh, would would be a way to, to keep mm -hmm. that intention alive. Yeah, but there is a, yeah, there's been some good, like, and Beth, you've pointed out so much of the good that's come out of this time, but there is kind of that fear of, well, are we just going to go back to normal and forget all that we've learned or all that we've gained, you know? Yeah. Um, all this, you know, self-reflection that I've been able to do, am I just going to throw that out, you know, when I'm able to go back to normal and... Um, yeah, but that's a good thing to meditate on and to Absolutely. hold on to. You Absolutely. know, these are things that I don't want to get rid of. And yeah. I think Ma like, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say maybe making a list of things that you, you <laughs> yeah. want to mm -hmm. say goodbye to and things that you want to hold mm -hmm. on to. Go, go ahead. Beth. Well, and I was thinking like within family, I was just thinking about when you, when something has changed that you, um, that you're, you're glad about, but you're concerned about, it, it's like, when you really care, then to dive deep, you know, to like go deep. Why is it hard? Like, why has it been yeah. hard? You know, yeah. maybe asking yourself or asking if it's family, like, why, why is it hard in our family to talk like that? Like, I want to understand that yes. more. And so there's a, um, maybe an unpacking of it so that you can kind of look and go, oh, well, cause 
we didn't really do that very much. Right. Now we've, we've shifted. Let's, like, let's understand that more. So uh, drilling down on the mm -hmm. why behind that and maybe just knowing your, your family or your friends more and understanding why it was mm. difficult to mm. share love. Absolutely. Y'all, we are, we are out of time. There, there is just, your questions have been huge. There's one more. Uh, I, I want to hear what brought people in the audience here. And rather than doing that in the big group, <laughs> maybe ask, uh, ask somebody, uh, yeah. why, uh, why are you here? Um, <laughs> no, don't ask it like that. Uh, why are you here? Why are you here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what brought you here? Um, many, many thanks, deep thanks yeah. to you, Beth, for being here. This is uh, just helping shape the way that we think, the way that we look at ourselves. And uh, Dr. Wooten, thank you for helping us to um, know that the mind and the body are not strangers to one another and they're not so far apart they're i'm still trying i remember you saying that uh you see those as one entity and i'm still i'm still trying to get there uh i i i know that's got to be true so um but um thank y'all for bringing your compassion your your insight your expertise because it is expertise that you bring here but you also it's not the kind of expertise that is inaccessible. It, it helps us to access ourselves uh, all that much more. So thank you for that. Uh, and, and I am just thrilled that you were here tonight. We're going to continue next week. Uh, the topic next week, we're going to actually look at what uh, it means to... Uh, look at what, what we're talking about when we talk about obsessive compulsive disorder or depression or schizophrenia, uh, actual um, mental health categories. What are we talking about and what are the limits? What are the limits of a diagnosis? Um, sometimes we put things into, we label things and some things don't behave according to a label. Uh, and how do we view people who have a label and how do labels hurt us in diagnosis and, and what is their use and how do we begin to view uh, these various kinds of disorders and people who live with these disorders? What does that mean? So we're going to be looking at that next week. And uh, come on back. And we, again, you're helping us to build this conversation so let's thank together our guests, Beth Stanley and Ray Wood. And everybody, we, I just loved being here with, with all of y'all. Thank you, Megan, too. Oh, thank you. Um, and good night, everybody. Good night.